Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good morning. It's wonderful to see all of you here today. Turn to somebody and tell them, live in the moment. Uh, turn to somebody else, tell them, live in the moment. Now say, live in the moment. Yeah, we don't live by the moment, we live in the moment. There's a big difference, you know, between living in the moment and living by the moment. Living by the moment is basically letting moments govern your life. Letting what happens, you know, in life just happen to you. But if you live in the moment, you govern what happens in those moments. Because moments will come, the world, life will throw punches. <laughs> Things will happen. And you have to decide whether you're going to live in that moment, choose life, or you will, you will be influenced by the moment. And you can, tell, you can tell where someone is by how they define their lives. What, and they define their lives by what they talk about. What they talk about a lot. And if many are talking about things that have happened to them, then they are those who are governed by moments. Amen. Amen. But then there are those who choose to believe God in the moment. Who choose to step up to walk by faith, to believe Him, and to hold on to His promise and live in that moment and see victory. And their life is defined by the Word, not by circumstances. And I just have a feeling I'm looking at a whole room full of people who are governed by the Word rather than circumstances. All right? Other people that go to other churches, they do other things. But you, who are perfect in every way, and do not sin. I'm glad to be a pastor of a sinless church. You know, I have to tell you, that is, that make, you make my job so easy. I don't know why you're laughing, but we're going to go to Psalm chapter 78 as we talk today about living in the moment. But I, uh, those of you that are early service, just deal with what I'm about to say here. I uh, had some uh, quotes that I brought to the church today to share with you by people some of influence and others, uh, we don't know why they're influential, but they are. This is just simply titled, What Were They Thinking? Alabama had a representative for Miss America by the name of Heather Whitestone. She was crowned Miss America in 1995, and she was asked this question, if you could live forever, would you and why? She said, I would not live forever because we should not live forever. Because if we were supposed to live forever, then we would live forever, but we cannot live forever, which is why I would not live forever. <laughs> she won that contest. Imagine what the other answers were. I don't know. Uh, Mariah Carey, she said, uh, whenever I watch TV and see those poor starving kids all over the world, I can't help but cry. I mean, I'd love to be skinny like that, but not with all those flies and death and stuff. Yeah, remember Brooke Shields? She said, smoking kills. If you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Winston Bennett, who was the University of Kentucky basketball forward, said, I've never had major knee surgery on any other part of my body. 
Mayor Marion Barry of Washington, D.C. said, outside of the killing, Washington, D.C. has one of the lowest crime rates in the country. <laughs> and the great Al Gore <coughs> said, it isn't pollution that's harming the environment, it's the impurities in our air and water that are doing it. Anybody remember Dan Quayle? Some of you are old enough to remember Dan Quayle. I love California. I practically grew up in Phoenix. <laughs> Lee Iacocca said, we've got to pause and ask ourselves, how much clean air do we need? The great Joe Theismann, NFL quarterback, said, the word genius isn't applicable in football. A genius is a guy like Norman Einstein. Colonel Gerald Wellman, ROTC instructor, said, we don't necessarily discriminate. We simply exclude certain types of people. <laughs> and this from uh, Maddie, obviously will appreciate this, the Department of Social Services from Greenville, South Carolina. Don't applaud yet. Your food stamps will be stopped effective in March because we received notice that you passed away. May God bless you. You may reapply if there is a change in your circumstances. <laughs> Did I say that was the last one? I got one more. Mark S. Fowler, the FCC chairman, said, if someone has a bad heart, they can plug this jack in at night as they go to bed, and it will monitor their heart throughout the night, and the next morning when they wake up dead, there'll be a record. <laughs> All right. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. What can you do? What can you do or what do you do when you're caught between a rock and a hard place? What do you do when you seem to be out in the desert and nothing around you seems to be flourishing? There's no sign of life, no sign of growth. You just maybe feel stuck. Bills are piling up. Marriage feels more like a prison than a partnership. Your health may be a constant concern in your life today. You know, driving every day to a job that you have to do, not a job that you want to do. Feel like you're continually just treading water, trying to stay afloat. Can't sleep at night and can't stay awake during the day. Way too tired to be motivated about anything. I know I'm not talking to anybody here, but... Uh, you know, you know things need to change, but then that's just more work piled on top of the work that you're already doing that you can't seem to finish already. Too busy, too tired, but needing help. Feeling the, the pressure of the trouble around you. and Nothing at all seems to be working. You find yourself at a standstill in your life, maybe in many areas or maybe in one area, but... I want to help you today. What can you do? You need help, and you need God to do something. Am I talking to anybody here today? Maybe you're at the cusp of that giving in and giving up point in your life, but I want to encourage you that it is not over. There is hope, and God is on your side today, and He knows your situation, and He is concerned about your situation. He cares deeply. 
and he has an answer for you. Not only does he feel your pain, but he has an answer for you, and he has help. You know, the Scripture says that Jesus Christ is our high priest. What that means is he is our representative to God. He's on our behalf representing us to God. Now, you, this, this is really good news because he has nothing but good things to say about you. He has nothing but good things to say about you. So despite your weakness, despite your failure, despite your trouble, your high priest has a representation of you. And his blood, the scripture says, speaks better things than that of Abel. See, Abel's blood cried out, I need vengeance because I have been uh, wrongly killed. I mean, he was murdered by his brother, so it was this injustice that was crying out. But the blood of Jesus, who was an innocent man, who never sinned, who never did any wrong, yet died a sinner's death, his blood didn't cry that. His blood cried mercy and grace and forgiveness. That's what his blood cried for you. Amen. And it still speaks on your behalf today. It speaks for you. Hallelujah. That because of that blood, you are holy. You are righteous. You are above reproach. Some things that, see, he understands. Jesus understands what you're going through. He was in all points tempted like you are, the scripture says, yet without sin. He, he was here. He walked this earth, so he feels your pain. He understands the struggle. He understands the difficulty. I mean, he understands it actually more than any of us, what it truly is like to be forsaken by God. You've never been forsaken by God. By God. You might have felt forsaken, but Jesus was forsaken for a moment. For you, so that you would never know what that reality is. And so that whatever level that you're at right now, Jesus can understand it to the nth degree and more. All right? And he's a very compassionate high priest who loves you and who speaks better things for you. And the scripture says that he is, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 says that he is our high priest of the good things to come. See, you need to know that today because you might be in a situation that's not good. And maybe things are bad right now, but just rest assured that Jesus is there to ensure that the end will be good, that you're coming into good, that good things will continue to come into your life. Amen. He's also a high priest of your confession. Amen. What you say goes a long way with him. Amen. When you're holding on to hope and you're, you're holding on to faith then, uh, and, and to him, he watches over that word. He watches over your confession. That's a blessing to know that. He understands. You know, uh, it, it might look like you're at an end. But the cool thing about your high priest is, the scripture says that his priesthood is according to the power of an endless life. Endless. There is no end. Or maybe your prayers have been, felt like they've been shut off. Like the heaven... The ceiling is brass and they're not getting anywhere. Maybe they, it feels like the answer to your prayer is a continual no. That's not true because in him, Jesus ensured that all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. And one of those promises is answered prayer. One of his promises is answered prayer. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Amen. If two or three agree as touching anything that they shall ask, anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. Amen. So it is his will to answer anything that you ask. All right. Religion is taught, it teaches us a whole different reality about that. I mean, it's, it just riddles people with doubt and, 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 and reasoning up here. Well, he didn't mean anything. I mean, surely enough, I mean, God didn't mean anything. Well, he said anything. 
right? And, and so because the situa- maybe the situation doesn't go like people think, then they begin to try to reason it out. Oh, well, it, then he didn't really mean anything because I didn't get what I asked for. So obviously he didn't mean anything. No, he did mean something. He needs you to hold on by faith and believe his word above everything else. All right? Jesus says these limitless kind of things to us, and he's like he's daring us to come all the way up and grab a hold of that and just believe that instead of talking ourselves out of that over and over and over again. Amen? Because all you do in that is set yourself up for disappointment and live at this low-level kind of living and just kind of chalk it up as, well, it must have been God's will after all. No, God's will is to answer your prayer. That's His will. It's to give you what you've asked for. That is His will. Amen. Amen. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask God. Amen. Well, how do I know it's the will of God? Well, how has that been working out for you not praying? Hmm? Try something different. Look at this. Psalm 78. We've got to get over here. Psalm 78, verse 19. Watch this. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? They spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Now, you have to understand who David's talking about, and I think many of you who read the Bible do understand that he's talking about the children of Israel, the Israelites who God had brought out by a great deliverance out of Egypt from slavery. They'd been there 430 years or so, and God used Moses to help bring them out of that slavery and did it by marvelous signs and wonders and demonstration of his power. I mean, you've seen the movie, right? In case you didn't read the Bible, there is a movie about it too, so you get the movie. Uh, anyway, so what ha- what, up to this point, before they asked that question, some, or at the place where they asked that question, some things had happened. They'd been brought out of Egypt, like I said, by marvelous deliverance. Not only did God bring them out of that, but along the way in that, that very same night that they left, the Scripture says that there was not one feeble among them. In Psalm chapter 103, there was not one feeble among them. Now, the scripture teaches us in Exodus that there were 600,000 men besides women and children. So it's estimated that there were somewhere between 2.5 million to 3 million Jews coming out that of, of Egypt, heading toward their promise. Now, that is a major healing service, if you ask me. Amen. That God healed everybody that had some kind of affliction or weakness. There was not one feeble among them. They came out of there marching. They came out of there strong after being under that back-breaking labor for 400-plus years. And now, now also, not only did they come out strong and healthy, but they also came out with wealth. The Scripture says that they plundered the Egyptians, and this is how they plundered. I love this. They went and asked them if they could borrow their gold. God told them specifically to go ask if they could borrow their gold and their silver and their precious things. And the Egyptians gave gave this stuff over to them. Therefore, they plundered the Egyptians. They didn't come and and fight for it. They didn't come and demand it. They come and ask, may I borrow? Now, last I checked, if you borrow something, the plan is to return it. If my neighbor borrows my lawnmower and the next day I see that lawnmower on his moving truck, I'm going to assume he hasn't borrowed it. He has stolen it. 
And they walked out of there with that, with that plunder of Egypt. Imagine that. Imagine that in that deliverance, there happened to be health and wealth. Man, I don't know why this is such a problem for people to accept. Oh, that sounds like that health and wealth gospel. Yeah, welcome to it. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Amen. It's a great deliverance. And in this great deliverance, so, so he had done that, and then, and then they get out and, and they, they come up to the Red Sea, right? And the Scripture says that God divided that sea. He, he pushed it one way. You, see it? you, you saw the movie, Bruce Almighty? <laughs> With the tomato soup. Oh, and he, and he opened the sea up so that the children of Israel, the scripture says, walked on dry land, walked on dry land with these piled up walls of water on each side of them. Amazing. And then once they crossed, Pharaoh and all of his, his, his army had come in after them and the Lord closed up the sea and killed all of them. All right. It was an amazing deliverance. And they, what a marvelous thing to see. Now they get out to the wilderness and, and they're out. And look what they say. It says, and yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? When I read that, I just want to go, are you people crazy? Have you lost your minds? How did you forget so quick? Right after seeing that kind of thing, are you kidding me? You've got a question. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? He opened it. Yeah, well, See, here's the, this, is, this, is, this is the disease of victim mentality, all right? It's a, it has a short memory on what's good. Amen. It has a short memory on what is good. Amen. And it's just looking for the next thing to feel bad about, all right? The thing about a pity party is no one's coming to that party except you. Amen. No one else wants to come. I mean, you can even send out an invitation to it. You are cordially invited. <clears throat> Actually, let us start off like this. To whom it may concern. And I believe that this should concern everybody. You are cordially invited to come on over and feel sorry for me. If you should come, please know that I will be telling you all about my problems, and I only ask that you simply agree with me. No one can possibly understand what I'm going through. I am totally alone in this. I am the exception to the rule of the common troubles we face as humans. My problems are totally different from everybody else's. I'm inviting you to simply come and listen to me talk about how lonely, how difficult, and especially how hopeless my life is. Any sound and reasonable advice that you offer me will either be completely ignored by me or I will argue with you on every point telling you why I feel justified in thinking the way I am thinking and feeling the way I do. And if that doesn't work, I will surely have an emotional breakdown right in front of you. So come on over it ought to be fun. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? This situation is different. We saw what he could do with water, but what can he do with dirt? It's interesting, isn't it? You know, it's, it's easy for us to gather an opinion reading this. 
because we're so far removed from that situation. We're just reading the story about it. And we can go, man, what idiots, right? But they're living in that moment. They're there, living there. They're just living their life. You know, you're living your life right now, and there's a story being written about you. All right? And before we're too quick to point the finger at these guys, this is written for us as an example because there is a problem with humanity. All right? And there is a very common problem with humanity. We all, from generation to generation to generation, face very much the same thing over and over again. By the way, listen to me. I've done counseling through the years, and did I enjoy it? I don't remember if I enjoyed it, but I, it's just part of, the, it's part of the job. It comes with the territory. Um, not really. don't really enjoy it that much, but I love people. Um, but one of the things I have found that's interesting in counseling people, some people are so wrapped up in, in their situation that's, that they say very unreasonable things. You know, the, the term, and I've heard this said more than I want to hear it, no one can possibly understand what I'm going through. Really? No one? Your situation is that specific and that rare? That no one can possibly understand what you're going through. You have no idea how narcissistic you sound right now. Yes, we all have. There's common problems. Now, each of us goes, has our problems look a bit different. But in, the, in, the, in essence, they're all the same. All right? Every generation of teenagers think we've got it the worst. Didn't you think that when you were a teenager? Mom and dad did not, they didn't face the same things I was facing. And, and we, are, we are special and, and we have different problems than my parents had. I look at my kids and going, oh my gosh, it's the same thing. You don't understand, dad. Yes, I do. I was saying the same thing you were saying. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Everybody thinks they have special problems that nobody else can possibly understand. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Well, let's see if he can. Do you think he can? Can God help you in your situation? Can he help you where you are right now? Let me say, let me ask you this. Has he helped you before? If he's helped you before, then he has to help you again. He has to. Because he doesn't change. And if he did it before, he will absolutely do it again. And then he'll 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 do it again. See, here's the thing about the children of Israel. They're out there asking this stupid question. Right? Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? And guess what happens? Look at verse 20. Behold. Behold, he struck the rock. Verse 20, Psalm 78. Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out. Water, water doesn't come out of rocks. Water doesn't come out of rocks. Oh, you have to remind God of that. He struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. All right, so God brings water out of a rock. And then they keep asking questions. Uh, can he provide bread also? Uh, can he provide meat for his people? Now, you can understand where God's at it in this next verse. Therefore, the Lord heard this and was furious. All he's done is proved himself faithful. All he's done is given them what they've asked for. Yeah. 
And they keep asking, well, can he, can he, can he? So a fire was kindled against Jacob. Ouch. And anger also came up against Israel. No fun. Verse 22, because they did, why? Because they did not believe in God and did not trust his salvation. Wow. They did not believe in God and they did not trust his salvation. How much do you trust his salvation? Are you wavering and believing that you are saved for eternity? Are you wavering in that? Or do you trust his salvation? Because God did not save you to abandon you. God didn't deliver you out to just, all right, this is as far as I can take you. No, his plan is to take you all the way to heaven. That is how saved you are. That is how secure you are because you couldn't do it yourself. Jesus had to come and do it for you. You know, I had somebody tell me one time, well, that's easy. Yeah, I mean, he was the son of God. Yeah, he was the son of God. Of course he'd come and, and save us. Well, who do you want if you're drowning do you want a guy that can swim like you, only a little bit better? Or do you need a Navy SEAL out there with you? You want the guy who knows exactly what to do. Amen. You, we needed this great Savior to come because only he could do it. Amen. So he did. And, he, and do we trust this salvation that he is the author of eternal salvation? Do we trust that? Do we, do we trust the fact that his blood washed away all of our sins? Does anybody trust that salvation today? That, that, and, he, and, he, and he has forgotten your sins as far as the east is from the west. Can you trust that salvation? That Jesus said, whoever believes in him, that is in me, God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what kind of life? Everlasting. How long? How long? Everlasting life. Do we trust in his salvation? Believe God that our salvation cannot be earned by us because if you believe that it can be earned by you, then you will believe that it's temporary. If you believe that it's dependent on you living right, then you will believe that your salvation is temporary. If you believe that it has something to do about you making sure that you confess all your sins every night, you will believe that your salvation is temporary. And it is because you're trusting in yourself. And that won't take you to heaven. Only Jesus will take you to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, he said. All right? Anybody believe that today? You believe that? All right, trust in his salvation. Now, let me say something about this salvation. Because you've been delivered with a great deliverance. As much as you were eternally dead, You've been made eternally alive. Let me ask you a, a question today. Do you, believe, do you believe that Adam's sin affected all mankind? All of us. All, not one of us escaped that curse, did we? The Scripture says that we are all born in sin because of that man. We, we all understand that today. So that it wasn't our actions that were the problem. It was the condition. All right, we were born broken. Born broken. So it didn't matter what you did. If you, if you never did a sinful act or whether you sinned like the devil, it didn't matter. You were still broken, still lost, still born in sin, still headed for a godless eternity. All right? So it was our condition that was the problem. Everybody understand? We all accept that, right? 
How many of you also accept the fact that the last Adam came and that effect also affected all mankind? His, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, and by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Do you believe that what Jesus did affected all mankind? It did, because the Scripture says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Let me give you some good news today. God is not looking at a sinful world today. That's not how he sees the world. Now, we see the world because we watch the news. Right? We work with people. We know. But that's not what God's looking at. Now, this is a marvelous thing. We have to get this. We We have to get a God view on us and the world. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, not counting their sins against them. That's how he reconciled the world, in Christ. So what God Almighty is looking at now when he sees this beautiful blue marble out there in space, he sees a reconciled world. You're going to have to convince him otherwise by not believing it. By not believing the gospel, you're going to have to convince God otherwise that you're not reconciled. And that will happen on Judgment Day. He said, whoever overcomes, to him who overcomes, I will clothe in white garments. He will be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name. I will not blot out his name. So if you don't overcome, then he has to blot your name out. This doesn't have to do with whether you're Uh, uh, you were saved and then you sinned your way out of grace. That's not even what that's talking about. What that's talking about is the moment that Jesus Christ died for all the sins of mankind, everybody's names went in heaven. The moment that happened, everybody got a place in heaven. Because Jesus earned the soul of every man by his death, burial, and resurrection. If Adam sinned, If Adam's sin affected all mankind, you have to believe that Jesus' righteousness, his obedience, affected all mankind. Otherwise, Adam's effect was greater than Jesus. We can't believe that. So everybody's name is written there, and then there are those who will show up there having rejected, not believed this great gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that God raised him from the dead the third day according to the Scriptures. That simple, beautiful message. They show up not having overcome or having faith, actually. He has to blot their name out. He had their place ready. He had their place reserved. He had a table. All we have to do is RSVP, my family. All you got to do is RSVP, and that is to believe on Jesus Christ and reserve your place there. Amen. Amen. The invitation goes to all. All right? God was in Christ. So God is not looking at a sinful world. So what should our message then be to the world? Repent, you sinners! Is that the message to the world? What is the message to the world? Jesus. Christ died. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. Believe on Him. In Him is life. When you walk out into the darkness, the only way to expose the darkness is to turn on the light. Amen. You don't expose darkness by talking about darkness. You expose darkness by turning on the light. Amen. The thing about it is, I find this really interesting that that 
when you turn on a light around someone who is in darkness, they immediately see their darkness. All right? And a lot of times they'll react from a dark place. Ah, oh, quit trying to shove that Jesus stuff down my throat. Uh, okay. Because they see their own darkness. They see the contrast. Are you hearing me? I mean, you can be as loving as, as possible with the gospel, and I do recommend that you do, but don't always expect a nice reaction. All right? Just understand that darkness is being exposed, and they sense their own, their own darkness. They see their own fault and failure. And many times they get defensive about it. All right? So we're not, we're not here looking for reactions from people. We don't, we don't preach the gospel for reactions. We preach the gospel because that's what we're called to do. We let the gospel do the work. It's not our job to save people. It's our job to tell people about our Savior. And then the gospel is what saves. All right? It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. We just scatter and seed. Let me just say this, it, it scatters seed everywhere. It doesn't matter where you scatter the seed, just sow the seed. Some will receive it, some won't. Who cares? That's not, that's not your concern. Your concern is scatter the seed. Tell the story. Tell your story. Amen. Tell his story and your story. Okay, where was I going with that? I don't know, but it was fun. It was good. So he's... Okay, because they did not believe God, nor did they trust in salvation. So in this great salvation, we've been brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But all along the way, as you walk by faith, there are many salvations for you to experience in life or many deliverances because the world is full of troubles, right? So God has a deliverance out of every trouble in your life. Wow, that's a glorious thought. Do you know that persecution and trouble come to you not because that's God teaching you something? That's a stupid lie. Those things come because you live in a broken, fallen world and you have a devil who hates your guts and you got this body that wants to con be contrary to every spiritual thing in your life. Right? So you got these things that are working against you all the time. You need somebody on your side. I mean, if, if, and if God's the one that's also back, uh, is back of all this trouble, what, what, what are we looking to? It's not the world, flesh, and the devil and God. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. God's on your side. And Jesus said these persecution, this stuff comes for the word's sake. It's trying to get the word out of you because if you can get the word out of you, then it gets the word, word's fruit out of you. Yeah. And it's effect in your life. It, 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 so he tries to, to, to this stuff comes to, to rob you of your peace, to rob you of your joy. It's not on God's side. It's not in God's order. He's on the side of the word to help you. So when those troubles come, you can stand strong. Rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Rooted and grounded in His promise. Just unlike these people who, who were just living by the moment instead of living in the moment. What are you going to do now, God? Now what are you going to do, God? What are you going to do now, God? Because they did not believe. And God did provide. He continued to provide for them. He, did, he rained down uh, bread from heaven for them. They said, can you provide bread? He said, Sure. Every morning they went and gathered manna or bread from heaven. Manna just means what is it? <laughs> I love the name of that because they couldn't figure out what it is. So what is it? Oh, that's a good name, manna. That's, let's call it that. Manna means what is it? All right, let's go gather what is it. And every day they went out and got what is it off the ground. 
Six days a week they would do that. The sixth day God would give them twice as much so that they, they wouldn't have to work on the seventh day. What a, what a gracious God that is, huh? They could just chill at home. Then, then they were asking, well, can he provide meat? And then God brought all these quail into the camp of the Israelites. I mean, they had so many quail. He said, he said I'm going to give you so much it's going to run out of your nostrils. He's so fed up with them. And they did. I mean, they, had, they ate meat, ate, ate, ate meat, had to their, and, and, and they complained, and they doubted God, and yet he just kept being faithful. He kept being gracious. He kept being kind. Now, you have to understand, this is before the law came. When the law came, <laughs> things changed. Big time they changed. When the law came, if they complained, you just kill them. Because then all, now all the mercy and grace were gone. It was just just God, the God of justice. Let me tell you something. You don't want just the God of justice, my family. <laughs> you want mercy. You want grace. But see, now God's justice is found in Jesus. He's faithful and just to forgive us. I always find that fascinating, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. He's faithful and just to forgive us. You would think it would say he's faithful and merciful to forgive us. That makes more sense to me. But it says he's faithful and just to forgive. In other words, it's the right thing to forgive you. It's the right thing for God to forgive you. It's not the merciful thing. It's the right thing. Why? Because Jesus died for your sins. It's only right. It's only just then that he forgives you. Otherwise, otherwise, he owes Jesus a serious apology if he's going to hold your sin against you after Jesus died for your sins. All right? That's why I'm saying don't believe these ding-dongs out here. And I mean, that's a sweet name I give them. Don't believe these ding-dongs out here saying, God's judging this place and God's judging this place. No, God judged Jesus. And Jesus took all the judgment upon himself. Amen. I don't care how many initials this Dr. Ding-dong has behind his name. If he's not, if he's not according to the Scripture, it's bull mm. All right? It is. What does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture say about it? What does God say? All right? Oh, you need to be break. You got to get all. all you got to break all those generational curses off your life. No, Christ became a curse. I became blessed. Period. It's over. I don't have generational curses. All right. You want to sell a book? That's why you're saying this. It's not the. That's not what the scriptures teaches me. I'm not under the law. I'm not under an old covenant. I'm under a new covenant, a new and living way. Jesus Christ intentionally became a curse. So that I would only be blessed. Well, I, I didn't write that, but I sure am glad I found it. Amen. Amen. Sure am glad I found it. Aren't you glad you found the word? Aren't you glad you found the truth? Aren't you glad you found the scriptures? Amen. Help your life come up. Get rooted and grounded in those things. I'm almost through. Cowboys aren't even playing anyway. We know they ain't going to lose today. Ain't that right, Miss? <laughs> It's a good day for the Cowboys. <laughs> you know, when you're in that moment, listen to me, when you're in that moment, maybe today you're in that moment where you're in a difficult situation, you seriously need some help. I'm here to help you today. 
You need, you need something to hold on to. Let me, let me help you. David, David was faced with this giant named Goliath. He's faced with this giant. And he's either going to live by the moment like all the other guys are and run scared and not face this situation or he's going to live in this moment. And he says to the king, I can take this giant. And the king says, circumstances don't line up for you here. The stars are not aligning here, son. This guy was a champion from his youth and you were just a youth. Okay, that's a big strike against you. And David said, it's not about that. It's not about that. Here's what I remember. Here's what I remember. I keep sheep in my dad's house. And one day when I was keeping the sheep, this lion came charging at one of my sheep and he took one of my lambs in his mouth and I chased that lion down and I beat him to death and I rescued the lamb from his mouth. And then another day, I remember a bear came out and did the same thing, took one of my lambs, and I chased that bear down, and I beat the devil out of him, and I rescued that lamb from his mouth. God, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of that Philistine. See, that's the moment. the moment that you come across. You come upon a difficult situation. You're facing some giant in your life. That's not the time to cower back. That's not the time to be persuaded by that situation. That's the time to begin to remember, no, no, no. What did God do before for me? Where are my victories? And start counting those victories, not your losses. Listen to me. You know that shepherd boy lost sheep. You know that happened from time to time. It had to have happened from time to time. David, there's no way. He didn't lose sheep from time to time. But this was not the day to talk about those losses. This is the day to only talk about the victories. And to bring this trouble down to that trouble and say, this trouble is going to be just like that trouble. It doesn't matter because God is on my side. Line up the giants. It doesn't matter how big these things are. My God is greater. My God is stronger. And my God is sure to deliver me. And that's when David faced that, faced that giant. He said, yeah, you've got all this great weaponry. You've got your, sport, your sword, your spear. You've got your shield. You've got all this stuff. But I've got the name, the name of the God of ar- the army of Israel, whom you define today. I'm going to take your head from you. And that's exactly what happened. He took his head from him. That's the spirit you need to have when, you're, when you feel like that there's no way to look. Look, look, look to the God who delivers who has delivered, who will deliver again. Believe his word. Believe in the Lord your God, the scripture says, and you will be established. Just for a moment, Job, listen to this. I'm almost through. Job chapter 14, listen to this. It says, for there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Watch this, verse 8. Though its root may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground. That sounds pretty hopeless to me. If the stump dies, if the root grows old, there's not any hope for that tree. Except, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. At the scent of water. Interesting. It looks over. It looks like it's over for the old tree. Until <laughs> you know what the word is for you, the water is for you. I just told you, 
The water for you is the Word of God. The Scripture says that Christ sanctifies and cleanses His church by the washing of the water of the Word. Some of you need to... By His stripes, I'm healed. My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, I will yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He has forgiven me of all my sins. He has removed all disease from me. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Are you hearing me? Just set the scent. It's not over. Because you have the Word of God. It's never over. Believe today. You just need to get a word. All you need is a word from God. All you need is a word from God. Because that word can change everything for you. Just the scent. Just the scent. I accidentally killed Heather's crepe myrtle. Back in this summer when I was, she was in Europe with her mother and Kayla Griffith. And so me and Dylan built a, a new fence in our backyard and we had to tear out this little planter in the corner where we had a crepe myrtle planted that my mother-in-law bought for us. Beautiful, what, what was the kind of real bright red flowers anyway. Uh, real pretty crepe myrtle. So I was trying to get it out of there so I could replant it. Killed it in the process. I mean, killed it bad. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? She loves that thing. I know I'll just go buy another one and she'll never know. <laughs> I did go buy another one and I replanted it and she knows. <laughs> and as much as I tried to convince her that it looks just like the other one, she lets me know it does not look like the other one. It's not even the same kind of red that the other one was. And I'm trying to convince her that it is, and she knows it's not. But either way, two days ago, so anyway, I, so I've had to do, do a, a quite a bit of watering in my backyard actually this summer because we tore up a lot of the yard while we were building this fence. And so I'm just out there just about every morning just watering the yard with my hose and, uh, and uh, <clears throat> watering over in this area where the planter was just a dirt patchy spot and where the old crepe myrtle once was and two days ago or was it yesterday maybe yesterday or two days ago I look out the window and I see like a little plant back there I'm like what is that so I, I walk out there and sure enough it's the old crepe myrtle one of those roots <laughs> smelled water and that which I thought was dead has come alive. Amen. Abraham didn't even consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, but he was fully convinced that God who had made that promise was able to perform it. He didn't even consider the deadness of his wife's womb. Even after Isaac came, think about it, God said, go kill him. And he said, okay, then obviously you're going to raise him from the dead, just like you raised me from the dead, just like you raised my wife's womb from the dead. This boy is going to come back to life. That's what Hebrew later says. Abraham saw him. He, he, he concluded something that God is able to even raise Isaac from the dead. He, so he already figured, he already brought him back, or already uh, received him back in a figurative sense because he told his servants, the boy and I are going to go worship on that mountain 
but we will return. God didn't tell him you're going to return. God said that boy's going to be a pile of ashes by the end of the day. But no, Abraham saw that boy raised back from the dead. He said, we will return. And faith is calling those things that be not as though they are. When you can't see it, you can see it with the eyes of faith as the Word is the picture for you. God promises that picture, and you got to hold on to that picture. Let that image be the thing that you're looking at, no matter what you're experiencing right here. Know that His Word will come to pass. Know that God is faithful. He is faithful to His Word. Be fully persuaded, and do not back down. Amen. Live in that moment, not by the moment. Let's stand together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your faithfulness. Lord, even when we have failed you, even when we have faltered, even when we have wavered, God, yet you remain faithful. You remain true to your word. Remain trustworthy. We thank you that you can always be trusted, that your promises are so very true for us today. Help us, Lord, to believe you no matter what, to trust in this great salvation that you have brought to us and believe that you always lead us in triumph. Every situation that we come into, the end is victory. The end is good. The end is triumph. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we will not live by the moment. We will live in the moment. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you today. Maybe you're here and you're in a situation that's really tough. And you've, you've had a hard time seeing your way out of this. And, and, and you were at that place where you've, you've wavered. You've, you've even in some ways thrown in the towel and said, well, okay, it's not for me. It's not, it's not working out. That's uh, just whatever that might be. You're in a difficult place right now. Just raise your hand between you and me and God. I want to just pray for you right now where you are. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for these. Thank you for these. Lord, you see them. You see what's in their heart. You know what their need is. And I thank you right now. I declare great grace upon them. As the apostle prayed, that grace and peace would be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Your scripture teaches us that you yourself are a very present help in time of need. Thank you, Lord, for meeting in their time of need. Thank you for intervening. Right now, that there is no natural thing, Lord, that can hinder what you can do. There is nothing too difficult for you. You can bring water out of a rock. You can bring streams in the desert, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. You can rain quail down on people. Lord, anything. You can do anything. You can split the sea wide open. You can cause the blind eyes to see. You can open deaf ears. You can cause the lame to walk. You can raise the dead. You can do anything. So we trust you today. There is no situation that you cannot help us in. Lord, there, there, is, there, is, there is no place, no depth that your arm is not long enough to reach down and help us. We're not that far away. Thank you, Lord. And I declare, God, now, thank you that your power be revealed. Your power be manifested in our life. Your word manifesting in the name of Jesus. We choose to believe your promise today. We choose to believe that what you promised us is truly our inheritance. No matter what time has to go by, no matter what battles we face, God, we are here to obtain those promises that you give to us. Thank you, Lord. We trust you today. We hold on to you. We let go of our own cares. We let go of worry and anxiety and fear and all of those things. Doubt and unbelief will not even be named among us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. 
we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.